Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. The church loves you. Don't worry. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you glad to be alive? It's a good day. Amen. Now, this is what's going to happen to this class. Uh, I'm going to teach very practical things. And uh, I'll teach for one hour. So I'll start teaching by 6.30. I'll finish by 7.30. And then we'll have 15 minutes for question and answer. All right? So we'll close. And then we'll close. Now, if you don't have question and answer, I'd ask you what I have taught in the last one hour. So whichever way it goes, there will be questions. And there will be what? There will be answers. Well, let's have your seats and let's get ready for the word. Amen. All right. Praise the name of the Lord. How many of you have been following the Launch Hour Wisdom for Living series? Let me see your hand. Okay. The rest of you, what have you been following? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So why haven't you been following? Mr. Albina, turn on your keyboard. Praise God. All right, so endeavor you follow, I'm sure that it's a blessing. How many of you have been blessed just by following that? All right, so ensure that you follow and um, share it. I know sometimes some of you want to follow, but you forget. So you remember 12, 15, say, ah, pastor has finished. <laughs> so just set a reminder, okay? Five minutes to 12, 11.55, set up a reminder and listen to it, listen to it. Actually... Uh, the Wisdom for Living series, uh, as we're reading the book of Proverbs, right? And on Sunday, everyone, you're going to share what you're learning. So, whatever verse stands out for you, endeavor that you, you write it down. Because on Sunday, we're going to have Sunday school where you just share any verse. So, that's actually the verses that are standing out for me. And uh, that's my own way of sharing. So, I want to see increased participation on on tomorrow. All right? So <laughs> I want to see increased participation tomorrow, okay? So ensure that you're tuned in. Let's, let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive, and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your Word. I pray that signs, wonders, and miracles will happen at the teaching of your Word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Now, today is healing school, and um, I want to go in a different direction because of the month that we're in, which is wisdom. And wisdom, like we said, is the practical application of knowledge. How many of you remember what we talked about on Sunday? What, what are the three things that are needed for your life? Wisdom, knowledge, and what? Understanding, okay? So we said understanding is what? Knowing how, why, the principles behind it. And knowledge is what? The acquisition of what? Of facts or? <laughs> knowledge is what? The acquisition of facts or what? Information. And wisdom is what? The application, the right application of what? Of knowledge. Hope you haven't forgotten. So make sure you go over your notes and... and and uh, just know these things. 
Praise the name of the Lord. All right, so today I'm looking at biblical wisdom for divine health. Now, there are two things when it comes to divine health. First of all, there's what you call divine healing. Now, divine healing is the supernatural power of God where sickness is concerned. So someone comes out and I say, how many people have pains or have this? And I lay hands on them. And the power of God comes on their life and they are healed. That is supernatural healing or uh, miraculous healing. All right? That's divine healing. Then there is divine health. Divine health is actually when you are in a state of health, you're whole, not needing healing. Okay? So, um, there are a few times I can remember, there are a few times where I have been sick and I needed to take, you know, maybe medicine, very rare, but the few times I have needed, very few times, very few times I can count. So it's very possible to live in divine healing, uh, in divine health, sorry. It's possible to live in divine health. First of all, that possibility has to exist in your mind. Praise God. It has to exist in your mind that it is possible to live without sickness. Now, when you are in a healing class, the first Wednesday of every month, we, we take time to teach on healing, don't feel condemned when certain statements are made. For instance, when you hear someone say, I haven't had headache in like one month. Those say, hmm. No, that's not the approach. Or don't feel, while that person is talking and you are feeling headache, you are a sinner. No. Uh, things like that should inspire your faith to the fact that those things are possible. Are you following what I'm saying? It, it doesn't mean that if you have headache, you're a sinner. No, that's not what it means. It just tells you that this is a realm that is possible. So, um, there are, you can live that life. Let me just leave it like that. Let me leave all the examples. But you can live that life in health. And that's very important. But then, I, I don't want to deal with the supernatural aspect of it today. I want to deal with the very practical wisdom that is available in the Word of God and that we can see from God's Word. And then I'm going to also read from, from a book by Dr. Avery uh, Jackson. And, and Dr. Avery Jackson is one of the best neurosurgeons in the world. Um, I, I learned of him when I was at Kid Butler's conference in Michigan. He taught, and I've read his story before because he was diagnosed with a certain kind of disease. And, and God, you know, through his mom, you know, God supernaturally got him healed. He went on to study neurosurgeon. He's one of the best in the world. He attends Kid Butler's church. In fact, he was in Kid Butler's church as a young child from the children's church, grew up, teenage, everything, everything, became a medical doctor, still in the church, and he teaches with Kid Butler today, you know, especially for pastors and leaders, uh, showing them how to just walk in health. So I'm going to read some things from his book called The God Prescription uh, as, I read, as I teach, because that's, that's a bit of medical field, and I'm not a medical doctor. So... Living in divine health means you're healthy and you're not requiring supernatural power to get healing. The first thing in understanding this is go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. Is to understand 
the makeup of a man or the makeup of a human being. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, Paul says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Now, he uses the word, may your whole spirit, what's the next one? Soul and what? Body. I need you to respond. What's the three dimension there? Spirit, soul, and body. So, um, man is what you call a tripartite being. Man is made up of three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. So, as you are there, <clears throat> praise God. Now, this is not, this, my body, this is not me. Right? This is what you call earth suit. This is my covering on the earth. Your physical body enables you to interact with the physical world or the material world. Because I have a physical body, I can touch material things. All right? I can relate to the material world. The real you is your spirit. That's why when a man dies, his body remains here and his spirit goes to meet with the Lord. Uh, so your spirit is the real you. Then you have your soul. Now, just follow me carefully, okay? It will get easier. Just follow. When you look at the tabernacle, or um, the, the tabernacle or the temple, there was the outer court, all right? The inner court and the holy of holies. Those are the three dimensions in the tabernacle, which relates to man as the temple of the Lord. The holies of holies would refer to the spirit realm. The holy place or the inner tabernacle will refer to the soul realm, and the outer tabernacle will refer to what? The body. Okay? Now, God deals with you in the spirit just as the ark was in the most holy place. In here, you had all these kind of washings and everything, you know, the table of showbread and all those things there. Now, that realm is your soul realm. Now, your soul realm is made up of three parts now. Okay, so you're, you're made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Your soul realm is made up of three parts. It's made up of your will, right? Your emotions and what? Your intellect. Okay, so your will, your emotions, and your intellect are in your soul realm. Now, medical science studies only one part of man, as it were. That's the limitation of medical science. So medical science studies basically the body. Right? Just your body. And a little bit, not, not really much, but they have an idea of the soul dimension, but not so much. All right? But as a Christian and as a child of God, you should understand that you're not limited to that body. You have another component, your spirit, which God can flow from, and your soul, which can impact on your body. Is that, is that, is that fine? Okay. So that's part one. <laughs> But two, medical science earlier on up until now felt that people could not change. Uh, their DNA could not change. So if you had a particular DNA, then it was that way. All right? So you had all of those things coming up. But as science began to develop, something called epigenetics, people began to come up with the concept of epigenetics. Now, epigenetics is very simple. It's the fact that scientists began to discover that your thoughts, your thinking, and your words can impact on your DNA and change things, can impact on your physical body. So they, they began to really understand that and study that. So 
uh, that whole concept began to come up. Um, a lady by the name of Dr. Caroline Leaf, a partner to Brother Copeland, grew up in South Africa. She's one of the best, best in the world. Uh, that's like her field of study. So maybe you would have seen her book, uh, Switch on Your Brain, yeah, by Caroline Leaf. Uh, Caroline Leaf, all right? So that's, that's the study. And why am I saying all of this? Because what science is just discovering, we find out in the word of God that if we live according to the word of God, we will not have to fall sick. And most, mostly, it has to do with our emotions. So God gives us instruction concerning our emotions that if we live by those instructions, our bodies will not fall sick. And so those are some of the things I want to share with us. But let's start from uh, a very simple one, first of all, before we get into that, okay? Proverbs 3, verse 19 says, By wisdom God founded the earth. We talked about that on Sunday. Now, what is some of the wisdom that God applied? Go to Genesis chapter 2. Go to Genesis chapter 2. So. And by the way, when I say it's time for questions and answers, don't ask me any question on epigenetics, right? Say, Pastor, that um, epi something you were talking about, um, <laughs> don't, don't ask me that. Just ask me something from the Bible. Genesis chapter 2. Uh, re let's read from verse 2. Are you there? Then God blessed the seventh day. Verse 2, sorry. By the seventh day, God completed his work. Now, there is a spiritual connotation to this, but I'm just taking the wisdom from here. Now, I want you to write this word down, completed his work. Write it down. Write that word down. And there's a reason I'm asking you to write that word down. And the reason is very simple. Some of us never complete our work. <laughs> so I want you to write, completed his work. In this year of our Lord, you will learn to say this work, I have completed it. Are you hearing I'm talking to myself also. Are you following this? Because some of us walk. Even in the dream, we resume office. <laughs> All right? So God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested. Listen, these two words would change your health. Complete your work. And don't move to another work. Complete your work and do what? Are, don't say unrested. <laughs> Complete your work and do what? And rest. Okay. From all his work which he has done. Verse, verse, verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Now I was studying this and I was thinking like, there's a spiritual connotation to the Sabbath, which is the book of Hebrews, which talks about salvation. But I realized that when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, one of the things he did, he instituted the Sabbath into the law. He made it a law for them. That on the Sabbath day, they shouldn't do anything. And this is why. Because if he had not made it a law, people would still go and work. So he had to make it a law. Now today, the fact that we're under grace does not mean we should abuse that law. Let me show you something very interesting I'm sure you've never seen. Exodus 31. I saw it today. Exodus 31. Maybe you have seen it, but you didn't pay attention to it. But see it. 
Exodus 31, verse 15. Read this very carefully. In fact, the penalty, listen, the penalty for uh, abusing the Sabbath was death. If you abused the Sabbath, you were killed. Now, I was thinking of it also that uh, the penalty for us in abusing the Sabbath today can also result to death because people walk themselves to exhaustion. And even when you look at our labor laws, today people walk all the time. And it's not healthy for people. It's not healthy for people. Um, let me read something here. There was this when uh, when during the French Revolution, when the anti-government agencies took over uh, France during the French Revolution, if you study about the French Revolution and the war that took place, there was a seven-day-a-week work uh, pattern in the nation. But when they took over, they extended it to 10 days a week. And what happened was after a while, the animals started dying. And scientists began to do their investigation, and they realized that the mules and the animals, you know, it was an agrarian society, then an agricultural society, were being overworked. And a historian, his, his name I was trying to get, a historian by the name of Elmer Justin said something. He said, donkeys taught atheist practical theology. What he was trying to say is that, listen, because animals were dying, that's when they realized that these people needed to rest. These animals needed to rest, to function. And God instituted that in the Sabbath. And some of us don't pay attention to the Sabbath in our lives. Now, look at this. Are you there in Genesis, uh, Exodus 31? Go to verse 15. For six days, work may be done. So, we are not promoting laziness. All right? There's a difference between laziness and observing the Sabbath. It was after work had been completed. It's not from day one. Say, hey, I thank God for my man of God. Sabbath, year of rest. They will sack you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, six days you must what? Work. So, work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest. Now, pay attention to that word. If you have your Bible, you can underline it. When we mean complete rest, when I mean rest, and I'm going to deal with that as we move on, mentally also rest. So, so, some of us, even though we are sleeping, we are still working. And I'm going to show you the danger of that practically. You must really learn to rest. Complete rest. Now look at, it goes on to say, um, whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. And you know, this is the only thing that will make people observe the Sabbath. If not, if you say there's no penalty, people say, is it your Sabbath? If I say I don't want to rest, will you force me? And, it, and that's the issue. You just come out as the people have gone to farm. Say, I thought today was Sabbath day. Now, verse 17, 16. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. Verse 17. It is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever. Now, look at this. This was what got to me when I, when I, see, when I saw this. It says... For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he ceased from labor and was refreshed. He wasn't referring to man here. He was referring to God. 
He says, and God was refreshed. I mean, this was the first time I was seeing this scripture. That on the seventh day, God ceased from his labor and was refreshed. What is the essence of rest? To refresh you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you still here? Are you here? Don't rest while I'm teaching. Say, Pastor, I'm following you. No, that's not what I mean. Right? Can you see that in the scripture? The seventh day, what did God do? He ceased from his labor and what and was refreshed. So the rest is to make us refresh, to refresh us, to restart us. All right? I know in computer, I'm not a computer scientist, so, but I know that in computer, some of the little, little things can just be fixed when you reboot the system. Right? Put it off, shut it down, start it again. That's the basic anybody can do. If the person is not there to help you, say put off the system and restart it. What he's saying is observe the Sabbath. Let the system refresh. Right? Some of you, <laughs> they need to unplug you, tie you to the bed. Some of us, they need to remove our brain and wash it. Because even in sleep, we are going to collect money. We are going to the market. We are fighting people in the dream. And I mean, you wake up with anger. Hello, 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 hello. You say, ah, it's okay. What is happening? What is happening? You say, don't mind this woman. Then you now start quarreling with the person who is telling you to come down. You say, don't mind this woman. Yeah, can she be insulting somebody? You say, where? You say, oh, it's a dream. Ah, no, now. You didn't sleep. So, resting is not that you closed your eyes. No, you complete rest. And, and it's simple wisdom. Some of you want to sleep, your phone is on. And I know you are going to tell me. They said don't off your phone so that in case fire is burning, they can call you. You see why you are keeping your phone? To expect sad news. Rest. Tell your neighbor rest. Say it well. Say rest. Mark 6, 31. Men, especially, we must learn to rest. Because we have this thing of... When, when our wives tell us to rest, we say, is it not because of you people I'm working? Am I working for myself? No. That's not the concept. The idea is not that the work is not being appreciated. The idea is that you have to rest. Women. <laughs> you were born for work. Rest. All right? Learn to rest. Teach your children to respect your rest period. I want to sleep, no disturbance. Just train them. You know, and God was just showing me a lot of things today that we, we just need it. You have your work period and you have your rest period. Mark chapter 6. Go to verse 31 quickly. And it's finished this. All right. Look at verse 30. Look at verse 30. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported all that, has, that they had done and taught. They came to Jesus reporting, we did this, we taught this, this was what happened. And he said to them, look at the response of Jesus, come away by yourself to a secluded place and rest a while. When Jesus saw the volume of work the disciples did, this was Jesus, he says, come here apart and rest. The same God that said, go ye into the world and preach the gospel, is the same God that says, do what? Come here apart. The garden of Gethsemane, he didn't discover it when he was going to die. He had been going to that garden before. 
It's just that that was where they caught him. For there were many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Some of us boast in walking and not eating. It's boasting in foolishness. I've been walking since morning. I've not eaten. I've not even had time to eat. Say, wow. If you were there, Jesus would have dragged you and say, come, you are not wise. Hmm? That habit of walking and walking, right? You will cook food, cook breakfast, cook lunch, cook dinner. Say, have you eaten? Say, no. You know, as you are cooking, you just feel full. Mark 6, 31, God is speaking to you. And, and men, encourage your wife. Sometimes they're walking, encourage them to rest. Encourage them to eat. Some of you, once your wife tell you, like, say, wow, thank God for your life. And your wife can go days, have not eaten. Some of us single people, you have to learn it, to rest. Because, because you're single and you don't have a, a, anybody on your neck. You can go days and not eat. Go days, just buy Coke and bread. Days, Coke and bread. Days, Coke and bread. Billy, days, Coke and bread. Especially <laughs> when you have people in the area, you say, I like that array bread. Two loaves. You just hold two loaves. Like the people think you have bought very good things. One is a bag of Coke. The other one is a bag of bread. Two weeks is sorted. Say you are saving money. No, you're destroying your health. Don't save money at the expense of your life. It's not worth it. All right? So you must learn to rest. So Jesus recommended rest for the disciples. He didn't even say, wow, well done, boys. Well, no, no, no. He said there was so much going and coming, they did not have time to eat. That showed how busy they were. What was the recommendation of Jesus? Come on, what was the recommendation of Jesus? That they should rest. Okay? So get into rest. All right? Get into rest. That's very, very important. Get into rest. Now, there are a lot of things that rest does for us. There are a lot of things that rest does for us. And that's very, very important. Get me my system. All right. So, one of the simple things you can do is to schedule your rest. So, I will recommend. This is what I recommend. Take one day a week where you know you can rest for some hours. Make it a complete rest. Okay? What do I mean by complete rest? Shut down. Shut down. If it is two, three hours, just shut down. Mentally shut down. And sleep. And rest. Are you following this? Rest. In a year, schedule a period of rest. Thank you. In a year, schedule a period of rest. And you know, sometimes it's difficult to rest when you don't plan it. Because something would always come up. And there's some of us that are so, we're workaholics. Even when we are resting, we still find work to do. As you enter the room to rest, say, I just want to sleep. You just sit close. Say, let me just watch this once. You must train yourself to rest. Is that okay? Now, there are six benefits of rest. Number one, it reduces stress and anxiety. Number two, it improves our mood. 
reduces stress and anxiety, improves our mood. It decreases blood pressure. Decreases blood pressure. It helps with chronic pain relief. It improves immune health and strong cardiovascular system. Just get the message and listen again, all right? So that we can go far, further. All right. So, learn to rest. Now, in, in Exodus chapter 18, verse 18, I just put it up. But if you go to Exodus 18, verse 18, you remember the story of Moses. Moses was judging the children of Israel, right? And Jethro, his father-in-law, came to him and says, you will surely wear out. Everybody say, wear out. Do you know what wear out means? Do you know what wear out means? Uh, you know what it means, right? What does it mean? Since you know. To wear out is to wear out. Right? To fade. Right? But to wear out, this, this is the concept that comes to my mind. Do you know like with bolt and knot, right? If you constantly do that, constantly do that, after a while, the bolt and the knot does what? Wear out. It's worn out. What happens? It can't hold anymore. If you work so hard and you don't rest, that's what happens to your body. Your body will wear out. But God has designed the Sabbath, the rest, to do what? To refresh your body. Then he says, this, um, and then he, he taught him the principle of delegation. He taught him the principle of delegation. He said, call people who will help you with this work. Now, I, I want to really say this to parents. When you start raising your children, understand that the principle of delegation is the principle of practicing the Sabbath and the rest. Now, this is where the issue is. The children might not do that thing to perfection. But a time must come in your life, and I, and, I, and I want to say this to parents, where you're not doing certain things. You're not like Moses doing certain things. You're coming to the place where you say, you know what, you do this responsibility. You get that done. Because when they are doing that, listen, it's not to free you up to do another work. It's to free you up to rest. Are, are you following what I'm saying? So you come to a place where your children can handle the ditches, let them do that, and you rest. Because if you think of your life, you've been watching this all your life. From when you were small, you helped your auntie. Now, you, now, 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 now you're helping your children. Of course, you know I'm not promoting laziness, right? But I'm just talking about you, know, you need to know where to create that balance in your life. If not, your body will wear out. All right. Pastors also need to learn delegation. Pastors need to learn delegation. Pastors need to learn not to do everything by themselves. So they can rest. So they can find that time to rest. And, and a local church that loves its uh, pastor should, should work towards that, should create that opportunity for the pastor to rest. Right? And, and if that opportunity is there, the local church should help and just say, hey, pastor, you know what? Just go rest. We are fine. Especially if you have a hardworking pastor. That culture of rest is important and that's why you see that even in developed countries, people plan their vacation before anything. They'll just tell you a vacation is, in fact, I have a friend in, uh, in, in Holland, a pastor friend of mine. He, he was telling me, we're talking about something, and he was telling me, uh, I think even in the U.S., supposed to preach in a church in Houston. And he was telling me, let's not put this program in July. Let's put it in August. He said, because July is summer. The church is empty. You know, for them, it's not whether they are coming to church. Once it's that time, everybody just... In fact, he's, my, own, my friend's church in Holland, they shut down that period because everybody has gone on all... Even the streets know that there's nobody. Businesses run at low. Why? They just want... So it's part of their culture. But here is really not so much part of our culture. 
Even when we say, okay, we're not going to have service on Sunday, just take the time to rest. Some of you say, I can't person say yes, I'll not go to the house of God. Some of you found yourself in, in other churches and they were now telling you to pray fire, 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 and shaking your head. came back with headache. Right? So you must learn to rest. Praise the name of the Lord. Are we good with rest? So you should pick out a time, all right? Pick out a time. Just, just a day, you can rest. And sometimes when you take your leave in the office, organize rest. See, let me tell you, I know we really want to make it in life, but see, we are killing ourselves in the process. We're not enjoying our marriage, we're not enjoying our friends, we're not available for children, we're not just there. It's work and work and work. This thing called prosperity is still the blessing of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. Are you hearing this? The next one is basic hygiene. Basic hygiene. Let me show you a scripture, Deuteronomy 23. I'm hoping you have seen this one before. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 13. <laughs> Interesting when I read it today. But I've, uh, uh, Deuteronomy 23, verse 13 to 14. And, and verse, let's read verse 12. You shall also have a place outside the camp and go out there. So this place should be located outside the camp. And you shall have a spade among your tools. You see, God did not leave anything to, to... God did not say they are adults, they will know. No, he gave them all the laws. Look at what he said. And it shall be when you sit down outside, <laughs> you shall dig with it and shall turn to cover up your excrement. So you understand what God was telling them? You, you, some of you have no idea, but some of you, <laughs> you have an idea of what God was telling them. God said, Holy Spirit, go outside. And when you sit down, when you sit there, say dig a hole first. So if you grew up in certain areas, you will understand. If you grew up in another, you say, what is God saying? That's your problem. Verse 14. Since the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and to defeat your enemies before you, therefore your camp must be holy and he must not see anything. <laughs> he must not see anything indecent among you or he will turn away from you. God will be walking out. Who did that? Hey, hey, hey. Who did not carry a spade? <laughs> but can you see how practical God is with the word of God? He says, first of all, this place must not be in the camp. Go outside. Then when you are buying tools, he said buy spade. Because it shall be used for digging. Because there was no plumber. There's no WC. Says, and when you go outside, he said, dig. And when you finish, he said, cover. He said, because I will be walking. And I like what he said. He said, the Lord your God must not see anything in this sense. And you know, God can trace you. <laughs> it's not like when you finish. Now I say, who they are? It's not me. No, no. God can say, I, from what I can see is you. No. Do you understand that? But what is God teaching here? Practical hygiene. Don't be dirty. Right? I won't say tell your neighbor, but just. Right? As a guy, you can't have boxers on for 10 days, 15 days, and doctors, doctor now say you have infection. It, it's not infection. It's death, accumulation of death. Please learn simple things. Unfortunately, sometimes some parents didn't raise their kids up in a in that way. Now that you're an adult, 
you have a responsibility to learn what your parents did not teach you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just be clean. Right? I love you. When you finish cooking, don't soak the pot for seven days. The pot should not observe Sabbath. Wash the pot. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's, I know from the way we are all seated, we are neat. I'm talking to the people in the other overflow. But observe basic hygiene. Don't just buy fruits and straight from where you bought it to your mouth. Say, that you know they kill African man. <laughs> you know those things, in the days of ignorance, God win. Now he's commanding men everywhere to do what? To repair. Are you coming? Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, just learn it. Learn it. Let, look at what God told them. As, in quote, as insignificant as this, God allowed it to be in the scripture to teach us a lesson. God gave you brains. Use it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just learn to be neat. Wash your things properly. Ensure that your cooking area is neat. Ensure stuff. You know, today, sometimes, those of you who buy food outside, great is your faith. Sometimes when you see where these things are produced, you, you are amazed. You are amazed. That's why you must take responsibility for your own cooking if you value your life. You know, some of the things we pray about, if we're a bit more healthy, right, what will happen? We will not even bother to pray about them. You're staying across a gutter in where you are staying, and all of you cannot come together to clean it. And you are always complaining of malaria. Because you live with mosquitoes. Hmm? Once you enter your house to sleep, you, you, you part the Red Sea. Because there are clothes, 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 clothes on the bed. You just part it miraculously. Whoosh, the bed is clean. You sleep. You get up in the morning. You feel the Red Sea again. Ah! You put perfume, you go out. That's why when they say, we want to come and visit you, say, tell me when you are coming. <laughs> tell me. Just learn it. Learn it. Build a culture of hygiene into your life. Are you following what I'm saying? Some of the things that we were just um, not very serious about, learn them. They're important. They're important. You know, especially when you grew up in a survival... You see, mind renewal is a tough thing. When you grew up in a survival atmosphere, some things are like waste of time for you. I'll tell you something that happened uh, many years ago. I was with my friends, and um, we were trying to own the generator, right? And we're putting fuel inside, myself and his, uh, his son, Christian. We're putting fuel inside, and then we discovered the fuel filter was there. Ah, we just said, this thing is wasting time, so we removed it. And, you know, we're turning the foil like So the father came and said, why do you remove it? We say he's slowing the process. He said, no. There was a reason they put it there. Right? Because if you keep doing that, after a while, you're going to block the engine with debt and everything, and you're going to spend more money. Listen to me. You don't need to give some of those monies out there if you just be a little bit more healthy. Hmm? A little bit more healthy. Young ones here, don't be encouraged to bath. You know, some, some, some people, to bath is like a project. Hmm? 
Say, have you taken your bath? Say, no, I'm planning to. Then they enter the bedroom and they come back. Enter the bedroom, they come back. He said, I just feel okay. <laughs> no, you can't feel okay. Go in there. Are you following? These things look funny, but just look after yourself. All right? So let's let this. But just look after yourself. Be more hygienic. Your cooking space, your environment, your clothes, you know, just your body in general. Look after yourself properly. Look after yourself properly. All right? And if we do that, we will live more in health. Okay. Are you still here? All right. Are you, are you enjoying this? All right. If you have any questions on this, you can ask Pastor Mary. <laughs> All right, the next thing is get rid of toxic emotions. Now, this is, this is something I really want to build on. Get rid of toxic emotions. Right? Get rid of toxic emotions. Now, in my studies, right, you just realize that God did not design you for certain toxic emotions. And this is where I really feel as Christians we need to use our wisdom. Now, let me read... Um, Ephesians 4.31. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. There are certain things that are going to be listed there. See, you must do everything as you lean on the Lord Jesus Christ to help you. Get these things out of your life. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. You see, all these things here are toxic emotions. I was preaching in many years ago. I was still, in the, I was still a youth copper. And I was going through Suleja, through Pastor Paul's house, and I had the opportunity to preach in a church. And a man, I, I called for healing, and, and, and several people came out for the healing line. And I lay hands on a man, and, uh, and <laughs> very interesting story, very vivid in my memory. Laid hands on the man, and then by the Spirit of God, I got a word of knowledge. So the man was not feeling well. So I said, uh, who is John? And from the back, the, the, from the back of the church, the wife shouted. So now I just said, who is John? The Lord will have you forgive that man and you can receive your healing. From the back, the wife shouted, no, it cannot happen. No, it can't. I'm telling you. So I was, <laughs> I was su surprised. So I asked and uh, the, the, the woman came forward and said, well, John is the brother of the man because of him. That's why they were, I mean, you could see bitterness. As she was explaining the story, she was fuming. She, and she said, Pastor, we are not forgiving. We cannot. I said, okay, can I talk to the man? I said, no, I know my husband. My husband will forgive, but we will not forgive. I mean, this was joint anger. But, you know, the Holy Spirit had to reveal that to me because that was the source of the sickness, unforgiveness. You know, sometimes people have done so many bad things against you. You still hold them. You're destroying your own life. It's toxic. It's it's. That's why you see that when you are angry, it's like your tummy is turning. It's toxic. It's not good for your health. You have to learn by the Holy Spirit of God to let things go. Let, th let things go. And that's why I discovered that all these, you know, haters, things, we eat so much about people in our life. It's, it's almost like we're victims. It's not good. Wisdom for health means that you live freely. Now, let me read something to you. Um, page 92 of this book. Uh, I'll read something here. Dr. Carolyn Leaf said, it's an epidemic of toxic emotions. Look at this. The average person has over 30,000 thoughts a day. Through an uncontrolled thought life, we create the conditions for illness. We make ourselves sick. 
Research shows that fear, all on its own, triggers more than 1,400 known physical and chemical responses and activates more than 30 different hormones. There are intellectual and medical reasons to forgive. Toxic waste generated by toxic thoughts cause the following illnesses. Diabetes, cancer, asthma, skin problems, allergy, just to name a few. Consciously control your thought life and start to detox your brain. Change in your thinking is essential to detox the brain. Consciously controlling your thought life means not letting thoughts rampage through your mind. It means learning to engage interactively with every single thought that you have and to analyze it before you decide to accept it or reject it. Why do we have an, uh, an epidemic of depression today? It's social media. You just look at somebody, say, me and this person who is to be classmate, he has bought a car. Hey, hey, hey. Say, hold the phone for me, hold the phone for me. My life. And, and that whole week, you are gone. Unnecessary competition. Right? And your body's processing bitterness, processing wrath, anger, envy, jealousy. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says, We take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. Every thought that is not of God. Failure thoughts. Some of you learn to, you need to learn to forgive yourself. You've made a mistake, you did things wrong, receive forgiveness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This year, listen, listen to me. This, this year, decide nobody will steal your joy. Just decide that. That you will stay joyful. Glory to God. I'm telling you, there are many joy stealers around. Hmm? Thank you, Lord. Are you still here? All right. Let me read another one for you. Page 82. Right. Some people develop ulcers when they are worried. Maybe a mother is worried because her son or daughter is serving in the military in a war zone. She can worry so much that she gets ulcers, which eats a hole in her stomach. That's the result of increased production of hydrochloric acid in the stomach. That pathway begins in the mind, which is part of the soul, and then in the brain, which is part of the physical body. The hypothalamus in the brain controls pure sympathetic reactions, which control the hypogastric plexus, which also supplies hydrochloric acid production in our stomach. So again, your brain causes that process through your emotions, right? Fasting is not what causes ulcer, right? So you're just worried, excessively worried. Just worried. Some of you have worried about when you will marry and your child now went somewhere, they now arrested the person. You are still single. You have gone to a police station to bail somebody when you are not even married. Just worried. Some of you are worried about the future. You see, that's why you have to learn to act on the word of God. When those thoughts come, that's when to declare. I know the thoughts I have towards you, the thoughts of peace and not of evil that you might have an expected end. My end is the end that God expects for me. Glory to God. You wage a good warfare. Those thoughts are not good for your soul. They're not good for your body. They will impact on your body. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Amplified version, please. 1 Peter 5, 7. Amplified version. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. What does the word cast mean? What do you think casting means? 
What other word can we use to repair casting? Come on, son. Troll. Casting how many of your care? How many? Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns. How many times? Read it loud and clear. How many times? Once and for all on him, for he does what? He cares for you affectionately and cares about you what? Watchfully meditate on this scripture. Learn to cast your care. Harry, come. This is what some of us do. This is my care. I'm concerned about my son. Right? For example. And uh, I'm concerned about him. So just put your hand like this a bit. So I cast it. Right? And then I just casted it in prayer. And then I see him pass. Hey! Give me first. <laughs> and that's what we do. So every time we're casting on God, we're taking it. We're casting on God, we're taking it. Do you want God to bear that burden or you want to bear it? And somebody say, I don't know how to cast my care. It's simple. Cast it with your words and don't touch it with your thought life. When your, thank you, Harry. When your thought comes to that saying, Jesus' name, God is dealing with that. God is handling that. That is warfare. And let me, let me tell you, that is easier than going for them to put some injections on you and use to take some medicine. Are you following what I'm saying? Any thought, if you're believing for anything, you watch on that. So that can affect your health, all right? So, uh, let me read something. Page four. Positive God thoughts, this is by Dr. Avery. Positive God thoughts, however, set the hypothalamus on a different tra trajectory that signals the rest of the body system to create a healing and repairing environment. This, in turn, orchestrates the immune pathways to secrete growth factors such as insulin-like growth factor, the IGF. When you, when you have God thoughts, positive thoughts, like was recommended to us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, you create an environment for healing and for your immune system to be repaired. Let me read this. The practice of forgiveness has also been linked to better immune function and a longer lifespan. Other studies have shown that forgiveness has more than just a metaphorical effect on the heart. It can actually lower our blood pressure and improve cardiovascular health as well. Frequent our angry outbursts can increase your stress level, and they can also contribute to physical symptoms such as chest pain and higher than normal blood pressure. That's why you see that when people think a lot or they are anxious a lot, what happens is their blood pressure begins to go up because your thoughts affect your blood. And when you're peaceful, you, I mean, there was a time I went somewhere just at the airport, and these people were measuring blood pressure and everything, and... Uh, so I just wanted to measure. So I went, and the guy said, ah, your blood pressure is very good. So I'm not thinking about anything. I mean, I, mean, I think it's something I learned very early in life. I really, I really can't cast thoughts away from my mind like this instant. Just, just let it go. Because ultimately, there are many things you can't do a lot of things about. You've prayed about it. You've trusted God. I mean, let God work. You can't work on it at the same time and allow God to work on it. Are you here? Come on. Are you learning something today? Cast your care. That thing that is bothering, cast it. When you look into the mirror, that's your face you don't like. Cast it on God and break the mirror. <laughs> don't just allow certain things. You know, some people don't just like their ear. I remember growing up, they told me my head was like, I don't know what, they, what fruits they were. They, I, I, I mean, looking right now, I don't know what's wrong with my head. But I mean, all through primary school, they just say, your head, your head, your head. And you can just grow up with that image. Praise God. Deal with that. 
All right? Page 105. You don't have this one, so listen. <laughs> when you wake up, and this is what I wanted to talk to you about. When you wake up, the worry continues in the background. The, the first time I had, I, I don't know what they call it in computer, but I think um, I've experienced it. How many of you have experienced when you open a lot of pages, computer people, when you open a lot of pages, uh, your system slows down, right? Right? Am I right? Is there a computer name for it? The slowing down, freezing. No, not freezing. I don't know if there's a computer name. I'll, I'll, I'll look at it. Lagging. Okay. I know some people say it's not lagging. Just don't worry. But that's what happened, right? So I remember the first time I had an iPad. I didn't know that you need to slide and close. So I met one of my friends. So he did something. He now said, Jesus, what have you been? I mean, everywhere was full. The man was just closing, closing, closing. I said, I opened that like six months ago. He said, they are full here. So actually, when the screen shuts off, you will think that the system has gone to sleep. But you know it's working. Am I right? Still working there. Have you seen this notification on your phone? Power consuming apps at the background. Have you seen that notification? Just realized maybe you were on uh, Instagram or something and then you forgot and you moved to another page. Then the a notification comes up. Okay. And says power consuming app. Huh? Running. The, the, it's, it's the AI that is advising you. I know some of you have never seen anything like that because even before the notification comes up, you have slided it. You are continuing. Say, don't disturb me. <laughs> so your own is <laughs> your own is God from heaven that we shall. Hey! <laughs> okay, all right. So you know what's happening. That's what worry does. Now pay attention. This is very, very important. That's what worry does. When you worry a lot and you just go to sleep, right? You think you are sleeping, but you're not. Power consuming app is running in the background. That's why some of you wake up tired. You did, it's your eyes that just closed. Your mind was working. Your mind, and let's, let me tell you this. One of the greatest things you can do to yourself is to give yourself peaceful sleep. Learn how to go to bed with your mind cleared. How many of you discover when you have thought in your mind, you hardly sleep? It's affecting your sleep. So read the scripture, listen to music, listen to messages one hour before you sleep. Don't go to sleep with Facebook. You know, you are just, hey, my life, hey, my life, hey, my life. Phone falls, you are asleep. You just discover that in your dream, you are looking for solution. So you are trekking, trekking, trekking everywhere, trekking, 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 trekking. And you get up, you are tired. You were working. All right. So it says, <laughs> when you wake up, the worry continues in the background. Even though you are engaging in work and all your normal activities, the only way to shut down the negative thought process is to think about something that's more powerful than those thoughts. People who never address their stress and worry have these negative thoughts running in the background throughout their lives. This leads to physical manifestation ranging from stomach ulcers to cancer and from autoimmune disorders to psychological dis disorders. There is a breakdown of the brain and the body. Our five senses become overwhelmed with the negative consequences. Only God is powerful enough to transcend the negativity that bombards us every day and moment by moment. 
In, in her book, Think and Eat Yourself Smart by Dr. Caroline Leaf, she said this, do not go to sleep worrying about your circumstance. This can upset your sleep cycle, digestion, and even your weight. Hand all your issues over to God. Fall asleep quoting the scripture or thinking of all the good things that God has done for you. Write your cares down, cast them on God, and go to bed. Learn it. Don't let things run through the background. And that's why so many things happen to you. And it just triggers something that happened many years ago. You thought that thing was gone, but it was still running at the background of your life. And that's why you have to get into the Word of God. If you have a lot of negative things to deal with in, this, in the world, you don't have the time. Get the Word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Speak God's Word to yourself. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Speak God's Word to your body. I'm, I'm loved of God. The love of God overwhelms me. I'm, I'm not easily hurt. You know, take out all those outbursts of anger. All right. Um... Let me give you a scripture on this, right? Proverbs 17, 22. Let me just give you some scriptures on this, and then we just... Proverbs 17, 22, quickly. Another good thing is laughter. You know, currently, scientists are recommending laugh therapy for people, which is, uh, which is funny, I mean to say, right? Because the scripture tells us, wait, Solomon tells us, a happy heart is good medicine. Happy heart is good medicine. Don't take pleasure in just being somebody who is not very happy. They joke, they do something to smile. You are serious. What are you laughing at? See, life is serious. I don't like jokes. You know, there are some of you who they tickle you, you boast in not being able to smile. Say, I will not laugh. 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 I mean, what kind of pride is that? A happy heart is good medicine and a cheerful mind works healing. Let your mind be cheerful. You see, let me tell you, I'm not saying everything in your life is going to go well. But see, for the good things that are going well, enjoy it. Laugh. Even as I'm preaching, some of you are still very serious. You know, some people look at us and say, oh, you laugh too much in that church. And that's why we are healed. Seriousness is not godliness. The God who sits in the circle of the heavens also does what? He laughs. Right? I remember when we were in the conference with Dr. Avery, he told us that one of the best exercise so far that he knows medically is deep laughter. And so he practices deep laughter every morning. He tries to laugh from the depth. You know that laughter where he does it as exercise. I know some of you just look at the mirror. Laugh. <laughs> like there is nothing to laugh about. But he practices it. See, it's healing. Doctors today are using laughter therapy. There are hospitals today where you go in and you're sick and they make sure that clean comedy is going on on the screen 24 hours just to lighten your mood. Are you, are you, are you, are you here? You know, one of the reasons that they don't like people to visit people in the hospital is because a lot of people don't know how to visit people in the hospital. When they come to visit, they'll not tell you stories of six people that died in that sickness. Say, is this the one that killed and say, hey, you will make it. But I was thinking of this woman that died today. Do you understand? But nurses are, are well, well-trained nurses. Let me not just say nurses, because I'm nurses. But well-trained nurses, they will always give you hope. Even if they know that you're dying next week, they won't tell you. You know, it's here when you watch Nigerian films, you say, sorry, hey, doctor, you'll be jacking people up and down. 
I don't know why they act all those. Every doctor's neck. That's why doctors are not wearing collar anymore, so that you won't have where to hold. But happy heart. Learn to be happy. Is that okay? Learn to play music and dance. Just play praises and dance. Re rejoice. Don't be too childish for those things. When they are even dancing in church, try your best. You know, some of you that are singing in church, you are just like this. You are just like this. And that's why you make people say all kinds of things here. You are not in the sanctuary, but in the sanctuary. You say, sing what you want to sing. Let's sit down. I mean, they say all kinds of things. If you, and that's why people say, if your leg is working, raise it. If your hand is working, raise it. Because there are people who just stand there as if, listen, they didn't want to come to church. Don't be too old. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you're in the house of God, rejoice. Be glad. It does your, your heart good. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? Yes. All right. So just write all these scriptures down, okay? But it says a broken spirit dries up the bones, so your spirit would affect your bones, okay? Uh, the spirit of a man, Proverbs 18, 14, the spirit of a man can enjoy his sickness, but who can survive a broken spirit? Proverbs 18, 14. Let me read something in page 121 here. Page 121. The author, um, this Time, Time Magazine, special edition in 2018, Time Magazine, they published something. They said, recent research has lauded laughter as a remedy for arthritis, backaches, asthma disease, itching, allergies, heart disease, muscle cramp, and of course, stress. Laughter may boost immune function, pain tolerance, cardiovascular health, and memory. The article also mentions several indications that laughter is increasingly helping people to manage health issues. So maybe some people are sick because they don't just laugh. All right? Page 123, benefits of laughter. Six benefits of laughter. Number one, inc increases your blood pressure momentarily like exercising, increases heart rate momentarily like exercising, change your breathing, reduces levels of certain neurochemicals like catecholines, hormones, whatever this is. Number five, <laughs> boost the immune system. Number six, aid in relaxing by reducing muscle tension. How many of you have laughed, really good laugh to a point, and you finished and you just feel like panting? And you know, sometimes when people laugh, we discourage them. You laugh too much. You shouldn't, shouldn't laugh. People just be happy, right? But know when to laugh also, because that's wisdom. Application of knowledge. So not like I'm teaching, just like, <laughs> say, Pastor, I just want to reduce my blood pressure. No, <laughs> will drive you out. All right. Okay. So, two more things I'll talk about. Uh, food, food, food. Don't kill yourself, and you call it enjoyment. Don't eat junk. All right? Then one of the things you must learn to do with, when it comes to food, is gluttony. Gluttony. Learn to, I, 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 and I think gluttony has to do with our mindset. We were raised like the more food you eat, your parents were happy with you. Have you realized? They say, eat more. He said, I like this child, this child. And so we grew up now with that mindset that we have to, you see somebody eating rice with four eggs. And almost like half, half basin of rice. You, so, so what you have to do now is to practice self-control. All right? I practice self-control. Because gluttony is sin. Proverbs 25, 26, uh, Proverbs 25, 16, New Living Translation. Do you like honey? Don't eat too much or it will make you sick. All right? Don't eat too much. 
Practice self-control. Practice self-control. Let me tell you something about food. Uh, let me say this quickly. Sorry, give me an extra five minutes. Proverbs 21, 1 to 2, NIV. When you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. It says, cut your throat. Right? NIV. Cut your throat. Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, 1 to 2. Put a knife to your throat. Learn to eat portion of foods. Don't, you see, you have to renew, I have to renew my mind. When I started studying some of these things, I had to renew my mind. I, I like meat a lot. Growing up, I just like meat a lot, like meat a lot. In fact, some of my friends say, yeah. but right now, I can walk away from any kind of meat. You see, anything you like today is because you trained your mind that way. You see, liking any food or not eating any food is your mind. Once you renew your mind, you can. When I decided to start just eating right, looking after myself properly, there were a lot of things I loved that naturally I can walk away from. You can offer me any soft drink, any stuff, and I wouldn't take it. And I wouldn't even feel bad. You know, some of us are trying to compensate for our childhood. You grew up, there was no ice cream, there was no Coke. The only time they gave you Coke was, you know, a small cup. They take, you drank, and as you wanted more, they my friend, my friend, my friend. So now, you just put... <laughs> now, <laughs> now, you just tell yourself, put cake there, put drink, put cake. God has blessed us. And you are just eating yourself to death. Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. All right? 1 Corinthians 10, 7, do not be like idolaters as some of them were as it was written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in rivalry. Don't just eat. And if you're eating, eat right. I want to beg us, learn to cook. You know, we have a concept that going out to eat is a sign of prosperity, is a sign of enjoyment. Just learn to cook. Right? If you're here... I don't want to say women. I'll just put it straight up because guys learning to cook is also a beautiful thing. You'll not be at the mercy of uh, indomine uh, preparation generation. All right? Learn to cook. Just learn to cook. Cook your food properly. All right? Just learn to cook. Just go out all the time. You can't go out all the time. It's not a sign of prosperity. Okay? And then basic wisdom. Just learn what balanced diet is. Go back again. Print balanced diet. Because I've seen some very funny things. You go say, ah, we ate rice in the afternoon. We will eat yam in the evening. He said, then we will change food. We will change food in the, in the night. We will eat a bar. We will change the food. <laughs> Carbohydrate Pro Max. <laughs> it's amazing that some people don't even know what is protein. They don't even know what fats, what oils are, what carbohydrates are, what fiber foods are. They don't know. They just, it's eba. Something's coming to my mind. I don't say it. <laughs> I don't say it, but you know that I know. Right? So it's just, just learn. Right? And some of you grew up, okay, let me see some of us. Some of us grew up with carbohydrate for the past 26 years of our life, 27 years of our life. So when we don't eat carbohydrate, there is withdrawal. Somebody has shaken his head and say, ah. <laughs> A day without a bar is wasted. <laughs> Are you hearing that? You know, <laughs> you know so, so some of us have eaten carbohydrates to the point that when we don't say what again? Say no, no, no. Say make a bar. Say there's no soup. Say I'll manage it like that. You know, there's something in your body that just calls for it. Renew your mind. Eat thinking of the future, not your past. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
And having a lot of meat is not a sign of prosperity. It's a putan. Putan. It's a putan. And then you finish eating your eba and your soup. Then you now say to them, meat takes another 45 minutes. It's not a sign of prosperity. Don't, God did not prosper you to kill yourself. Don't dig your grave with your own spoon. All right? Be moderate in how you eat. Be moderate in what you eat. Some things are not enjoyment. They're just killing you. But it starts with the mind. Hmm? The things that will help you, you don't like them. Vegetables, you don't like them. Legumes, you don't like them. Daniel 1, 12 to 15. Write the scripture down. Right? Do you realize Daniel chose his diet? Huh? Daniel chose his diet. He said, I'm not going to eat the king's food. Come on. Right? And what did Daniel say they should, they should do to him? Gave him what? Daniel chapter 1, verse 12. Daniel asked for a certain kind of food. Hmm? Please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink for 10 days. How many of you can eat vegetables and water for 10 days? Hmm? 13. Then let our parents be observed in, in your presence and the appearance of the youth who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. Listen to them, tested them for 10 days and at 10 days they were better. She ate vegetables. Hmm? Some of us will never listen to messages like this until the doctor tells us, you have 60 days to live. Eat only vegetables here. You don't need death and terminal disease for you to start eating right. Don't let the worst case happen. For they now tell you, eat only black plantain. Eat only this. All the things you don't like. And you know that when, and it's true, when people start having sicknesses and they tell them what to eat, it is actually most of the things they don't like, which they should have started eating. At that time, you will just be in party like this. They'll be passing meat pie. Oh, oh, oh meat pie. Oh, some of you will even do this. At least somebody will still die. Give me one. <laughs> All right. So, so last scripture, I will take questions. First Timothy chapter five, verse twenty-three. First Timothy chapter five, verse twenty-three. All right, have you learned something today? Well, just go ahead and, 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 uh, and just learn the basic things you need to do, okay? Please learn balanced diets, all right? Guys, married men, help your wife, all right? Go online, search for balanced diets, help them in the kitchen. Some of these things might prove a bit expensive. Replace suya with fruit, and re replace Fanta with water. Hmm? And replace Coke with water. Hmm? Replace suya with apple. You have a future. Don't, don't plan like you want to make your wife a widow. You have a future. First Timothy 5.23. Stop drinking water, only water, and also use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illness. Now, <laughs> so I say, Pastor, this is my favorite verse. <laughs> Relax. Now, I wanted to show you a context here, and then we ask questions. The context here was the water of where um, Timothy was, was actually causing him to be sick. So Paul had to tell him, see, because of your frequent illness and because of the issue you have in your stomach, don't take water. You can take a little wine to help in the place of water because of this. Now, what I just wanted to show you with this verse is that you can see how practical Paul was with Timothy. All right? There are certain things you're taking that are not good for you. Just stop them. All right? Or you are in a place where the water is not clean. 
you know, try and get clean drinking water. What I just wanted to show you from this verse is that there is a practical aspect to health. And don't just use divine life and divine healing to throw away what? That practical aspect. You can't just be eating only one class of food all your life. Right? And hate all the good things that would benefit you. And then at the end of your day, you are angry with God for why your life is like that. Are you blessed? All right, let's pray and then we'll ask questions. Father, thank you. We cause that everyone that hears this message is blessed in Jesus' mighty name. I, my question exactly. Okay. Let myself, I'm single. It's easy for me to go home and shut down. Let's assume. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email. Info at pastormax.ng or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.